0: You are listening to In Search of Wild America. Inspiring action to heed the call of a passionately alive and self-created life. Today we interview Hector Jesus Arencibia, author of the book Letters from Wanderlust. Hector experienced a profound transformation after years of living the destructive lifestyle as a Miami party boy. He'll discuss waking up one fateful morning, facing his reflection in the mirror, and suddenly realizing he needed to dramatically change the course of his life. Hector sold off his possessions, including his beloved matador red Lexus, and purchased a one-way ticket around the world. His first book, Letters from Wanderlust, details his courageous and transformative journey, as well as his spiritual insights.
1: All right, what's up?
2: Hey.
0: Hi, it's finally great to talk to you.
2: Hi. likewise. Let's see, let me see if I can turn you up on iron a little Hector, bit. Hector, this is
0: my first interview.
2: <laughs> oh, cool! I'm
0: facing my fears. I'm very shy. This,
1: oh my God! You know what? <laughs> this is only like my third one. Oh. So I'm super like as well. Like I'm. Yeah, yeah.
0: But I love it. I'm enjoying it.
1: It's fun. Yeah. Facing my fears. So you know what? Like when you guys were kind of like putting it off, I was like. In a in a sense, I was like a little sense of relief. I'm like, okay, good. I don't have to deal with that yet.
0: <laughs> yes, I know. I'm the same so, way. <laughs> okay. It's so
1: weird. I'm like so bold for a lot of things, but when it comes to interviews and stuff like that, like oh, same. I'm I'm working on it because you know yeah. it's, it's not thing that I've I've done. You know, right? It's all new to me.
0: Yeah. Well, I think you're probably going to be doing it a lot more in the future.
1: I would think. Yeah. 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 The awesome thing is that I did one yesterday. So it was cool. Like, it was such a good vibe that I'm warmed up for today. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm really happy that you're my first one. And you're, you know, I'm like, (laughs) oh, right. He's the perfect guy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Can I just say something? Yeah, go ahead. Your voice is so soothing. I could listen to you talk, like, all day long. (laughs) Thank you.
0: I feel the same way.
1: like whoa it's so awesome okay all right i said it
0: thank you Uh,
1: that's
0: (laughs) yeah i feel the same way about Craig.
2: okay it seems everyone has a metaphorical cross to bear and each person's particular cross appears custom made specifically for their unique journey do you feel yours was custom made for you
1: absolutely given the the life that i was living with the partying the alcohol and drug abuse the my awakening was the only way the universe could have gotten my attention. The way it happened with me waking up on December 26, 2011, with the you know pretty much an uncontrollable urge to go look at myself in the mirror, seeing my face transform in the mirror as if it you know, and seeing the reflection as if my face had been badly injured in an accident and coming to the realization that if I continued down the path that I was on, which was, you know, I was driving drunk and just doing all these crazy things that I would eventually look like that. And then even worse, realizing that I could do that to other people. So absolutely, I think that the universe, spirit, God, whatever you want to call it, knows how to get our attention when our attention needs to be, um, had you know gotten received so yeah absolutely
2: it it sounds like you kind of had a, a, a waking nightmare sort of looking in the mirror it
1: i did i did it was it was i'll never forget that moment it was just like prior to having that awakening moment i was experiencing a lot of depression uh, suicidal thoughts and my only escape from that was abusing drugs and alcohol and partying, and just blacking out, just really living a reckless lifestyle, and that particular morning, I just had an overwhelming sensation to go look at myself in the mirror, and when I did, I see my face is, looks like it's in an accident, or it was just transformed, it was deformed in a way that, and I wasn't high, I wasn't anything, I was just having a revelation at that moment, where universe was like, hey dude, if you keep up, you know, what you're doing, this is what's going to happen to you. And from there, I just, I I had a panic attack. And I didn't really know what to do then and there. But I just knew I was having a, a revelation of sorts. So the only thing I could think of was to go to my grandfather's gravesite. And uh, I drove to the gravesite. And I sat next to his grave. And I asked him to please, you know, bring me Light and clarity and help me get out of this situation that I was in with the drugs and the alcohol and the party and Lo and behold the next day. I had a trip to Vienna Austria And when I get to Vienna Austria all of a sudden I feel an overwhelming sensation of love and of just joy in my heart I had forgotten what I had done the day before. I really did. I just thought that I was feeling this sensation of joy and love because I was traveling. Like I was like, wow, I need to just travel some more and just keep this feeling going. So I was on that trip for three weeks, and when the trip was coming to an end, I was afraid that feeling would go away because I still was attributing it to travel. I didn't realize I was having a spiritual awakening and that I had asked for it to, to hap- you know, I had asked my grandfather, hey, bring me some light and love. So I didn't know that. So, I, so while I was traveling, I was like, okay, well, I think I'm going to keep doing this. I think I want to go around the world on one-way tickets. So when I get back to Miami, I was afraid that, you know, this feeling would go away, but it didn't. It only intensified. So I started experiencing my city as a brand new city, and I was born and raised here. So after living in a city after 30 years you would think that you wouldn't experience such a you know overwhelming sensation of like newness and everything was just like wow and i started roaming the streets at night i would do random like graffiti i would i would spray paint fire hydrants in like fluorescent colors i would write i would start to write for the first time and that writing was what led me to Write my book. Like I knew, like all of this was now becoming part of something much more profound. And in that process, I also started reading a lot of spiritual books. And in one of those spiritual books, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, he describes his spiritual awakening experience. And with his description, it just totally resonated. I'm like, oh my gosh! I'm this is what I'm experiencing. I'm having a spiritual awakening. But it wasn't until that particular moment that I actually connected all the dots and was like, oh, my gosh, everything I've been feeling for the past couple of months is part of a spiritual awakening. This trip that I'm planning around the world is part of this spiritual awakening. It's part of my soul mission, which goes back to your question about, you know, do we all have a certain path that's created for us? And I I would say yes, because – when I really now look back and see how all the dots connect, I it's it was all there, it's all written. It's you know, it's destiny for sure. Like this whole experience for me was meant to happen.
2: Oh, that makes sense. That's perfect. Well, I guess and that kind of leads into our next question. As at the moment you realized there was no turning back as you embarked upon your journey, did any fears come up? If so, how did you confront them? Do those fears still come up? I remember in the book where you were taken off, I think, for the first flight, and you had that moment of realization, like, oh, there's no turning back. I'm really doing this. That had to be quite a moment.
1: Yeah, you know, the feeling was so profound. Like, my awakening was so strong, so deep. Like, it was so tangible. I could feel like this is what I was supposed to be doing, that... If fear came up, I didn't really – it wasn't strong enough for it to just over – like create any kind of anxiety or or anything. I just really knew this is what I had to do and there's a little piece that I wrote in the book which is called I Bank on Faith. And basically, I really just banked on on my faith and and my knowingness that this was something that I had to do. So fear – was not an issue when I was, when I was taking off. Like, it was just like, I've got to do this. I know that I have to do this.
2: Well, wow. So it, I, I tend to think of that as a, a term I use, like the soul's volition. You know, and it seems like when we're really in touch with our higher selves, the soul's volition, our purpose, that that driving force, it really does push fear out of the way. Even though you might experience it, it's just it's overwhelming.
1: Exactly. You spot on. That's exactly what I went through. Yeah.
2: Okay. So next I'd say, how did you come to embrace the entire spectrum of emotion? All of it from sorrow and disappointment to jubilation and wonder. Many of us choose to only recognize the so-called positive emotions as we make our way through life. But you welcome even the most difficult emotions in ways you term as, oh, and what you term as aliveness. Your definition of aliveness is amazing.
1: Ah, Thank you. Indeed. I think that when we're entirely present, whatever emotions that we are going through, you just feel so alive. And even though throughout my trip, I did experience moments of uncertainty, of fear as far as like I didn't know what was going to happen to me, you know, when I was in Macedonia sitting behind a, a a gypsy cab and he's taking me into like the ghettos and stuff and I'm just freaking out I was just so present that it, I was I was like I I couldn't feel any more alive than that and equally you know when you experience moments of joy as well but you know we're humans and we we come to earth to feel all of these things and I think that that is so much a part of our existence is the contrast in emotion so we can then appreciate those moments where you know we are in joy so much more
0: one thing that fascinates me is that humans need uh, a bit of we need certainty and uh, security and so many of us don't do well without any sort of plan. Uh, could you tell us more about how you were able to forge ahead without any plan, guidebook,
1: or set of rules? Gosh, you know, I'm now the king of not making any plans or not huh? having any plans. <laughs> I love it so much. How did I do it? I just, again, it goes back to what Craig said about the soul's volition and just knowing that you know, you've got to like, I knew that I have to do this. I know now that this is the path I have to walk. There's no uncertainty about that. So the fact that, you know, I don't plan a lot of things in my life. And I, I watch how the magic unfolds. Mm. And I've experienced it now so much that I, you know, I can't negate that part of, of reality, which is, I don't do a lot of planning and I let things just unfold naturally and it always works out perfectly. No, that's okay. No, I mean, just to the point where like the details are so incredibly perfect that I could have never if I had thought to plan half of the things that I've experienced in my life, I would have never even come close to, you know, with the synchronicities and the people I've met at the right, you know, right place, right time and what have you? It's it's just mind-blowing, so, yeah.
0: Yeah, I've always likened it to almost like a tapestry that's being woven in your path in front of you. You just sort of let it happen, and it's it, it's amazing. You have all the right characters come into your life, all the right experiences come right in when you don't have a plan. It is scary, though. It's kind of scary at first when you don't have that.
1: Indeed. Indeed, it could be scary, but I think after a while of practice and letting things unfold and watching how the magic happens it just becomes second nature but definitely i would you know if somebody's listening and would like to just get a little piece of advice if you're if there's a little fear in them just to practice it a little bit mm-hmm. start off with small little steps and see how it works and then just take it to a You know, full on life experiences (laughs) when it becomes your day to day thing. You know, you kind of just wake up and I'm like, okay, what's going to happen today kind of thing. And it's just magical. I really
2: am. Uh, It's like building a muscle in a sense. Exactly.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's it's almost like I sometimes see it as a martial art discipline. You just have to discipline yourself to do it. And eventually you just kind of do it without even thinking. Exactly. Yeah. Well, in fully experiencing aliveness, would you call that fearless or crazy? Like,
2: is there a difference?
0: Is there a difference between the fearlessness and the
1: craziness? You're listening to you know, it depends on what your point of view is. I think that if we take it from society's point of view, you know, current day, modern day society, they're going to think we're crazy for sure. But we live in an unenlightened society. They don't – like this is – this This kind of living isn't taught anywhere. Like this is something that we we have to teach ourselves. And once we experience the magic of it, you know, going back to just having these wonderful synchronicities and just feeling these amazing – you know, having these amazing experiences, you realize that it's it's not crazy. It's actually – The way of the universe and somehow, you know, living on planet Earth or Earth at this point in time is just now starting to understand this. And there are some of us who are here to lead the way through this kind of, you know, thought process and living. So, yeah, just going back, it just depends on your point of view. I personally think it's it's the future. Mm -hmm. It's not something crazy. It's just how we will exist. In the near future,
2: as your aliveness thrived, you were bound to have faced naysayers who tried to convince you that your ideas were crazy. We know that many people tend to project their own fears, doubts, and insecurities onto others. So, how are you able to overcome what other people thought of you? Uh, This quote from your book comes to mind. This is a great quote that goes with this question. Um, One of the hardest moments in one's life is when you realize who you truly are within and what you're destined to do with your existence, but no one else sees or believes it. During these moments, you find yourself entirely alone, misunderstood by almost everyone, and no one truly understands you. You blame others for not seeing what you see, not only in yourself, but in themselves as well. You don't get why they don't get you. So we'd love to get more insight uh, from you regarding the hmm.
0: naysayers.
2: The naysayers, yeah. How do you how do you stay strong with naysayers? Because
0: they're everywhere.
2: Yeah, those projections are strong (laughs) that people have. I know, I know. And when I wrote that, I actually
1: remember exactly where I was and what I was doing. And at that point in time, I had I was already in Malaysia, and I had already walked so far along my path of awakening, and. You're right. No one really did see what I was, you know, what I was experiencing. No one. Everybody's, you know, did think I was crazy. They don't think I'm crazy now because they realize that, you know, it's materialized into a book and I'm doing all of these things with that experience. But at that point in time, the only thing I had was my faith was just knowing that I was tapping into something greater than myself and something that a lot of humans cannot experience or do not experience just because of the way society has molded us into just walking a certain path and you have to do it this way or that way. And if not, that's, you know, you're not doing it right. So basically what I held on to was my faith, just my knowingness that this was something I had to do. And prayer, you know, I did pray a lot and I did ask for help when I, when I needed it, as I did in the beginning of the, of the story. So absolutely, I would say just have it, holding on to your faith and your belief that this is what you have to do.
2: Mm. Makes sense. And there's a great line also in the book, um, the luminous path may not always have light. The secret is in learning how to fearlessly walk in its darkness. So can you reveal your secrets on how you learn to walk fearlessly in the darkness?
1: Yes. So I have a – the way I see life on earth is that I feel that our souls come here for soul evolution. We come here to evolve. And when we have moments of darkness, and when I've had my moments of darkness, I have now attributed them to my soul evolution, that I know that whatever it is that I'm going through – is part of this evolutionary process of my soul, and I and I deal with it in in that mindset. So it makes it so much easier. So if there's ever any, you know, any heartache or any difficult times, I just hang on, and I'm like, okay, like there's there's something I have to learn from this, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna come out so much stronger. So holding that belief of just, hey, you know, this is what I have, this is what I have to experience. This is what my soul has chosen to experience. Really just gives me that strength to walk in the darkness when when you own everything exactly and just knowing like this is part of my 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 soul's evolution part of my experience and you're right and i and you and you own it you're just like okay this is what i this is what i gotta go through this is what i gotta do and just keep on marching and it goes back to faith you know just being like I this is this is what I've got to do, and I believe it, and just it'll, it'll walk you through all of it,
2: really. Yeah, nothing really happens to you; it's all created by you, the experience.
1: Exactly, <laughs>
2: exactly, at <the> yeah. <laughs> okay, so now next question from Aaron.
0: Yeah, well, one of my very favorite quotes in your book was about the aurora borealis, and I'll just I'll just uh, say it for our listeners: find your inner aurora borealis seek out your soul's superior version of the northern lights and let them shine through your skin you'll see the people around you will notice the dance of invisible light display emanating from within you you'll find that they respond just as they do when they see a natural phenomenon of extreme beauty they'll be in total awe of your presence and you'll inspire them to seek their very own inner magic so hector what advice would you give to others in seeking their inner borealis
1: um you know we're all made of star stuff. That's the way I see it. You know, we're all part of the, the stars and knowing that the whole universe is inside of us and that we, you know, anything that mother nature creates is we're a part of. We're just a part of it all and knowing that that lives inside of us, each and every one of us and really just tapping into that magic and, and that, exp- that, that knowingness of that we're all one and we're all part of this cosmic fabric is, to me, gives me the, the strength to believe and to know that an Aurora Borealis lives in all of us. There's just magic in all of us. We're all capable of just tapping into it if we, if we believe in it. It's just belief.
0: Yeah, it seems like you just need to kind of relax into your moment where you are and just look around and be aware. And the more that you do that, the more you're going to be able to recognize that beauty.
1: Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just it's within us all.
0: Yeah.
2: Okay, well, those are all the questions that we had. So now we're off the hook. Now it's easy. So
1: (laughs) yeah,
2: so now we can just do the inner Aurora Borealis podcast here, um, which would be a good podcast. Somebody created that, the inner Aurora Borealis podcast. Wow. You know, Uh, and so do you really, it seemed like in the book, like you mentioned, it almost uh, seemed like you were writing that you actually saw the Aurora Borealis, like a person's aura emanating from them. Do you actually see that in people? If
1: I focus on it, yes. At the time that I wrote that, I it was all imagination. I'm very I write a lot about imagination and using our imagination. At that particular moment in time, I just took my imagination there and, and wrote about it in that sense. But as the years have gone by and I've learned more about spirituality and seeing people's auras and stuff, yes. It it does happen, but at the time I wrote that, it was just on imag- you know imagination.
2: What's going on? Is there anything that you'd like to tell people to mention? Just that well, we haven't covered. It. I'm sure there's got to be something. Remember how we talked about me not planning stuff? Yes, <laughs> at
1: yeah. a moment, that's where I'm at right now. So I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say to that question. You know, I'm kind of like looking. I possibly taking another trip around the world on one way tickets in the next couple of months and writing a second book, and I'm just like now receiving like the downloads and figuring out where I'm gonna go and how I'm gonna do it, but not really. So yeah, I don't have I don't have much to say to that.
2: Uh, oh well, actually that that that's quite a great answer right there. Actually, yep. it's quite a lot, and you mentioned downloads. That's something that we're sensing these days and people seem we're to getting, getting a lot
0: of those these days yeah,
2: yeah. how do you get your downloads because we certainly do
1: um, energetically like I'll, I will feel just a certain like overwhelming sensation of just knowingness of something and I'll get like a flash of a place of where I'm supposed to go like I'll give you an example just recently like I kept feeling like I was around like a beach atmosphere and I kept hearing like I also, like, will hear words. This happens to me when I write as well. Like, I'll hear certain words, and then I try to make what they are. So what I recently heard was, oh, I kept hearing, like, oh, she, I, I couldn't figure it out until finally, like, it was Okinawa. So then I look it up. I'm like, because I honestly don't even know that much about Okinawa or whatever, but it came, like, I finally figured it out. So when I look it up, I'm like, oh, my God, this is exactly what I was kind of, feeling and visualizing it's it's a it's a Okinawa is a small island off the coast of Japan so it was like oh my gosh so okay so i'm going to go there so it's wow. just a little bit of just like feeling a little bit of visuals and then hearing stuff and it happens when i write too a lot of the times i'll receive words that to be completely honest i'm like i don't even know what they are but i hear them at times very clearly and i'm like okay so i'll write it down and I'll look it up later, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is actually works with what I'm writing now. So it's definitely a mixture of of the three, but I would say the the strongest way I receive my downloads is I'll, I'll hear words as well, like. Yeah,
0: you're, you're very tuned into that most I think we can all we all have the ability to hear those words or have those experiences we just have to be tuned into it you know exactly yeah I'm real interested real quick about the types of synchronicities that you experience
1: gosh there's so many but like I'll give you another example so I'm planning I'm not planning but I'm thinking about this trip around the world and the information has been coming to me so I recently connected with a reader of mine, and she started telling me about going to uh, Paya in Hawaii, right? So I was like, okay, cool. Like, I had again, a place I had never heard of. I'm like, all right, whatever. You know, like, I'll write it, you know, I'll keep it in mind. Well, that same day, I go to the gym, and there's a guy in front of me working out with a T-shirt that says Paya on it. Yeah. I'm like, what? I'm like, yes. this is crazy. No way. So then I'll be like, okay, universe. Let's let's keep playing this game. If I really have to go there, show me something else. And well, it does. And then all of a sudden, I'll see like a truck with like Hawaiian Tropic like driving <laughs> right by me. I'm like, what? This is crazy. But it, it's I can't deny the those are facts to me. Like it's factual. Like these things are happening. So I'm just like, okay, well, there it is. Yeah, so it- like that.
0: It's very interesting how you will ask and it answers. And the more yeah. aware you become, it's almost—it's a joke. It's—I almost start laughing when this kind of stuff happens to me. Yes,
1: exactly. <laughs> it's, you got to laugh. Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> just like that, you just laugh it's mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, it becomes so blatant. There's really no subtlety to it at a certain point.
1: You know? I love it. Oh my gosh, I love. it. I love that you guys get it. Oh, this is. Oh, so it's cool. the way I live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome
2: thank you Uh, (laughs) okay well um, I guess I think if I think we've covered I think we've done one very good session here so I think everybody's wiser and happier yay yes and healthier yes
0: yes, and thank you for being my training wheels because I I feel like next year I'll just be dominating these interviews
1: (laughs) yeah there you go (laughs) (laughs) you're great I mean I didn't kind of anything you're great
0: Thank you, thank you very much. I'm trying to do it myself, so you are just (laughs) shining. It's wonderful.
2: Thank you. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I've got my fuel for the day.
2: (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Uh, uh, And it's nice to know that you have your struggles too, because it's like, you know, nobody's enlightened yet, and that's the fun Mm -mm. thing, because it's it's fun to hear. Uh, It's very humbling. It's nice to hear. You you were a little bit nervous about the interview too. Yeah,
1: absolutely. You know, like. One thing that I've come to learn about this whole awakening experience is that I don't think we're ever going to get to, you know, our, you know, Shangri-La or our enlightened, like our enlightened phase where we're just like not moved by anything. I think this is forever. Like, we're just going to keep and there'll be obstacles and more stuff to overcome. And it's just like, like you said, it's just a humbling process. And I'm really big about that, too. Like, I don't ever want to be like you know all-knowing you know or like whatever i really i really enjoy the the humble part of it as well like just being like okay like this is something i can learn i can grow from this you know
2: the the complete experience of aliveness yeah
0: yeah and i know that you listen to andrew martin right you're a fan of his
1: Oh my gosh, yes, I love You this. know
0: how he says, oh, you can never just come home and take your bra off and lay on the sofa. <laughs> just, I always laugh so hard at that because it's true. There's just no relaxing. You just have to keep on going and it's a it's a wonderful dance, but you're yeah. never going to reach the end and I am enlightened, you know, and it's, it's just yeah. never going to be that way. But it's no. the process that's so <laughs> exhilarating.
1: Exactly. So yeah, no taking off our bras anytime soon. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I just love him.
1: Oh great. <laughs>